worship team. First John chapter four, verse seven. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love command comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God shows his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments about unconditional love. First John 4 and 16 said, And we have, have known and believed the love of God has, hath to us. God is love and that he dwells in us the love of God, and God and God about love. Yet the world that we're living in, love is something that is reserved for uh, certain people. It is our closest relatives, it's our greatest friends. Um, but even then, that love has conditions. I will love you if as long as you don't tell me how to live, I'll love you. As long as you don't do anything that I don't want you to do, I'll love you. As long as you behave in a manner that's pleasing to me, I'll love you, right? But you see, what we're talking about here this morning is unconditional love. For it was without condition that Jesus went to the cross of Calvary. It was unconditional and without reservation, he has freely given us his love in our lives so that we could have a different life. The scripture is clear that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can somebody say amen? Many people don't realize today that God loves them. We don't have a hard time believing that God loves somebody else, but we have a hard time thinking that God could love us. He could, could he love us because we aren't uh, doing right? He, he doesn't love, how could he love us because we uh, are not living according to what we know is right to live. We, don't, we are not living a lifestyle as a Christian. Well, it's good to live a Christian life, but the truth of the matter is you do not have to live a Christian life for God to love you while you were yet in your sin. Before he ever knew if anyone would ever choose him or not, I've heard preachers preach, and it's a good thing to say that, that if uh, God knew that only one person would be saved, he would send his son Jesus to save that one person. 
But I submit to you this morning that he sent him not knowing if anyone would ever accept him. Without any, any promise, without any knowing whether or not anyone would accept him or not, he so loved us that he sent his only begotten son into a sinful natured world so that you and I would have a hope, have an opportunity, have the chance to be free from the bondage of sin. The scripture says it like this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. When you look at that word world, he is not talking about the texture or the, he isn't talking about a geographical location. He is talking about a people. He is talking about the people that are in the world. And he sent his son to save those that were in that world. What world was it? It was a world without hope. It was a world that was lost. It was a world that all they knew was, was sin. There was no hope. All the hope they had was in the blood of turtle doves and of lambs and of goats. But he said, I'm going to provide a way that they don't have to just merely hope that they get to heaven, but they can know they're going to heaven. You see, the blood would cover a multitude of sins, but it would only cover them for a year. But Jesus said, I'll go and I'll pay the price so that the sin is not covered, but it is washed away. And so he would send his only begotten son into the world to show us that kind of love. A love that would reach out to all of mankind. He didn't say that we could, that he would save us if we did right. Amen. He didn't say he would save us or send his son if we were from a certain race of people or we were from a certain place of people. He said that he sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved, right? so that there would have a hope. He hasn't come with a condemning message. And so uh, there is a lot of folks, and I hope that we're getting away from that, but there's a lot of folks today that still believe that God is some kind of angry God and that he is out to get you. Well, that is not the God of the Bible. I've even heard some preachers say that God is mad at people and he's angry with people and he hates people. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is the Bible is love. He loves and he loves no matter what. He loves unconditionally. Right? We love people on different measures and different levels and it depends upon our relationship. But God loves us no matter what. He he loves you when you're ugly. Right? He loves you whenever you do the thing that he, that he hates and he doesn't like it, but he still loves you, even though you're doing it, right? That takes, that's agape love. It's the kind of love, we, we love people by choice, and we say that if you do this, then we'll love you. If it, this uh, certain thing happens, then we'll love you. But God loves you no matter what. 
that will blow your mind. Amen. That will blow your mind. Because uh, people will tell you that they love you. And people will say that they, you know, I'm with you. I'm going to be with you, you no matter what, through thick or thin. I've got your back. And they tell you that they love you until you do something they don't like. They forgot to add that part in there. That I'm going to love you. I'm going to be with you. I got your back until you do something I don't like. And then it's okay for me to stab you in the back. It's okay for me to forget and leave you where you are. But God's love is not like that. God's love, you can be doing your very best and you can, whatever you want to say, you can fall short, you can fall off of the wagon, you can make the wrong choice, you can make the wrong decision. And guess what? He doesn't quit loving you because you've done that. He still loves you the same. Because the reality of it is this, is that you cannot do anything to make God love you more than he does right now. He sent his son from heaven to earth so that you could know him in the fullness of his love and his kindness. And so there's nothing you can do. You, you, God doesn't love you because of what you have done. He loves you because you are his creation. And he has created you in his likeness and his image. And on the same measure, on the other side of the pendulum, you can never do anything to, to make God not love you or love you any less. He loves you no matter what. And this world uh, they, is a world that is filled with false hope and false love. It, but it doesn't say that God loved all good people. It doesn't say that God loved all, just all the Jews or that God just loves all the saints. It says, for God so loved the world. So God's love clearly is based, isn't based on our spiritual condition or our moral uh, standard that we have. Because our moral disposition isn't going to determine whether God loves us or not. Now, I will say to you today that it, it is, doesn't mean that because we are living in that lifestyle or we're doing things that are against God, it doesn't mean that God likes it. it I'm not saying that God condones it. I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm saying that God loves you anyways. Amen. He loves you anyways. And so it's not based on our behavior. It's not based on our, even our attitude toward him. Rather, we see here that God loves mankind unconditionally because he is love. He loves everyone. And this is one of the things that sets him apart from every other God that they say is God, that separates them from every other God or every other religion in the world. Christianity is in uniquely claims that God's love comes free of charge. There's no strings attached. There's, there's not, nothing that, that, uh, that you have to do to make this happen. That's not like any other religion. When you look at uh, Buddhist, right? You'll find out that they have to follow the eightfold path of enlightenment. It's not a free ride. 
you got to go through the process. You look at Hinduism, and they believe in karma, that you are continually getting what you have uh, created yourself. And because of what, is, what you have put into motion, you are getting karma, and that's what's getting paid back for, right? The Jew says it's a code of laws that you have to, it implies that God requires for people to accept him before that he will love them. You look at Islam and God is a God of judgment and God, not, not a God of love. And that you have to live a certain way to appease him or he's going to get ticked at you and kill you. Only Christianity dares to proclaim that God's love is unconditional. An unconditional love that we call grace. Amen. Is anybody thankful for grace today? Grace of God. That God's grace. Yes, give him praise for his grace. God's grace is freely given to us. And his, his gift that he gives us is forgiveness of our sins. He gives us mercy. He gives us love. He gives us grace. So God so loved us that he loved us unconditionally. Wow. Amen. Now, that means that God loves everybody. Even the one you don't. And you can't get mad at God for loving the one that you don't love. Amen. Because if I were God, I would choose who got my love. Right? I mean, after all, if I were God, can I be real for a minute? If I were God and I sent my son to die on a cross and you out there acting ugly, you ain't getting nothing. Right? You ain't getting nothing. But that's not God love. That's not unconditional love. That's agape love. That he says, yes, I hate what you're doing. Yes, I don't want you doing what you're doing. But I'm going to love you anyhow. I'm going to love you in spite of everything else. Because somehow in God's great ability, he's able to separate man's, uh, man's work and what man is doing from who he is. And just because he's doing doesn't mean that's who you are. And God is able to separate that and say, I love who you are, even though I hate what you're doing. Romans 5 and 6, it starts out and says that just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for us and for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare die, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were yet sinners Christ died for us amen is anybody thankful for that today he initiated this love right 
while I was yet doing my thing, yet whenever I was not even conscious of who he was or conscious of serving him or doing what was right uh, in his sight, he loved me while I was yet going about doing my own thing. And, and the, what I love about God is this, that Jesus will meet you where you are. You don't have to clean up, you don't have to change up, but you can come to him the way you are. He will meet you where you are. And when you meet with the master, when you meet with Jesus, when you find this love that is something that you cannot find nowhere else in the world, nowhere else. I mean, there's no love like a mama's love, but this love is greater than mama's love. This love is greater than anything that you will ever experience in your life. And when you experience the love of Jesus, you'll, the things in your life, you'll desire for them to change. You'll want for them to change. And he'll meet you wherever you are. Nicodemus was a, was a, a, a highly educated man. Nicodemus had it all going on. He, was, he had a reputation to uphold, right? And, and so, but yet there was something on the inside of him that he wanted to know more. He wanted to, he had heard about Jesus. He had read about the things that he had done. He had, he had seen the miracles and all of these things, but he had this reputation to uphold. And, and you would think that if Jesus really didn't care, he would have made him show up in the middle of a crowd somewhere and come to the front and discuss it with him. But no, Jesus was willing to to meet Nicodemus at night. Why at night? So no, no one else would be able to see him. This was a conversation between him and Nicodemus. And he said, I love you, Nicodemus, just the way you are. I know that you, your, 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 your thought process, I know that all the things, I know that you've read a whole lot, I know that you're very highly educated and, and you've got all of this wisdom and, and you're, 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 you're perplexed right now because what you have read and what you have known and what you have learned has not measured up to what you have seen in my life, but he was willing to meet him in a place, a private place, so that he could discuss with him and that he he could experience his love in his life and when he met Jesus his life was transformed amen you see you can meet Jesus in private but whenever you meet Jesus in private the the encounter that you will have with him will cause it to go public you can't you what God does what Jesus does can never be private amen what do you mean? Well, Jesus shows up in the cities and, and you can't keep it private whenever a dead man gets up. I mean, he went over there in, in, in private and he told him, he said, get up. But he didn't stay in private. Everybody knew you can't heal blind eyes and it be private. You can't open deaf ears and it stay private. It goes public. But yet your, your encounter with him can be a private encounter that will transform your life. But whenever you have experienced his love, you've experienced his grace, it will transform you in such a way that all of those around you, you will want them to know the love that you have experienced in Jesus Christ. Amen. He also went to, the Bible says that he, uh, of speaking of Jesus, that he must go by Samaria. 
It wasn't on his way to where he was going, so he did not have to go by Samaria just because he was going that direction. But in fact, he had to go out of his way, but he had to go by Samaria. Why? Because he had a meeting with a woman at a well. That's the only reason that he went to Samaria. And I want to say to you today that God loves humanity. He loves people so much that he'll go out of his way to come and show you his love. And he went to Samaria and he showed this woman. He met a woman at the well that day. It was in the middle of the day. It suggests that she was the outcast. It was suggests that she did not come with all of the other women that came early at daybreak in the morning to draw water from the well. But she would go when she knew that no one else was at the well. She was an outcast. The people of the community didn't want nothing to do with her. But Jesus went out of his way to meet her at that well that day because he loved her he loved her so much and he knew her pain he knew her past he knew her present and yet he loved her that's the reason why that it blows my mind is because that Jesus knew me but yet he still loved me he knows my present and yet he still loves me he thinks that I'm worth dying for Amen. And he went there and he met this woman at her place and, and he start, begins to talk to her about water, but he's really talking to her about her life because Jesus will always meet you where you are. He would go to the fishermen and when he would go to the fishermen, he would talk to them about casting their nets. When he went to the farmers, he would talk to them about sowing seed into the ground because he wanted to relate to them and let them know, I know your life. I know your story. I know you, how you live. And so he would relate to them and he began to relate water to this woman as worship. And she begins to talk to him and says, you know, I, and he tells her, he said, if you'll take of the water that I have to drink, you'll never thirst again right and yet this woman is is troubled because she has all of this past baggage right she's been married five times five certainly Jesus couldn't love you after being married five times And now the one she is with, they ain't even married. They're just shacking up. Jesus couldn't love someone like that. It's quiet up in here today because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And yet he still loved us and does love us right where we are. Doesn't mean that he condones, doesn't mean that he accepts what we're doing. But it does mean that he, nothing can separate us from his love. Jesus didn't beat this woman down. Jesus didn't tell her what a scandal she was. Jesus didn't tell her, 
you know, if I could have got to you a few years ago before you went through all of this, I could have done something for you. No. He began to show her his love. Right? He showed her his love. How do I know that he showed her his love? Because she was so amazed and she was so overwhelmed that she ran back to the city and says, come and see a man that has told me everything that I've ever done. And yet, he still loves me. Amen. He still loves me. He still cared about me. And I want to tell you today, I don't care how many marriages you've had, how many people you've lived with, slept with, I don't care how much coke you snorted up your nose, God loves you. I said, God loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. None of those things he condones, but yet he loves you anyhow. Amen. Paul said he wanted to know the love of Christ, which passed all understanding. It seems logical, but the love of God is so designed that we might always learn and continually learning how to grasp how he really loves us. And I believe that we'll continue all of our lives to try to grab a hold of how is it that God loves the way that he loves. We'll never know the depths of God's complete love. And though we may learn some of it here today and we may learn some of it tomorrow, we'll continue to, to learn how that he loves because God is love. And loving is a way Jesus does it. And that's the way we're supposed to do it. If we were to love people the way Jesus loves people, then people would want to know the Jesus that loves them. Amen. I've seen a documentary a couple, of, it's been maybe three, four years ago, time gets away from you, but one of the main priests, I believe it was the high priest or the second priest of the Satanist church, he, he renounced uh, Satanism. He turned in his credentials for the Satanic Church and resigned and renounced everything about uh, the Satanic Church. And uh, they asked him, he said, what, why did you do that? Did you go to a church? Did you see? He said, no. He was, said, I was on a radio station. And he said, whenever I was out in that radio station, I told him why God did there was no God. I told him why that I was a Satanist and all of that and said uh, the long story short of it is that a girl came out and said she, she hugged him and said, man, it was great to meet you. So glad. And he said, I felt something different about that girl. And they went on and the story went on. And he, she, he, what he realized was that, that now that he comes to realize that this girl is a Christian. And she just heard everything that he said about there not being no God, that he's a Satanist priest. He's the, you know, the first or the second um, priest in the Satanist church. And yet she comes out and expresses a genuine love like he's never felt before. Not no TV preacher. Not no superstar preacher. Just somebody showing the love of Christ like he loved her. And even though that everything he was for, she was against, 
she's still able to show him the love of Christ in such a way that he would say, that's, the, that's what's missing in my life. That's what I need in my life. And I want to tell you today that this world is hurting, this world is messed up, but what they need to know is the love of Jesus Christ. And the only way they're going to see that love is through us, those who have accepted him as their Savior and Lord. And we don't embrace their life, but we embrace them with the love of God. Amen. Amen. His love has no end. It's forever. It's eternal. Loving the way that Jesus loved is the only way we're going to make a difference in our community, in our church, in our ministry, in our world. And the only way that we'll make a difference is by bringing the hurting and the bruised and the bleeding, the broken and the diseased and the confused, the, the prodigals of the world, and they come and see the love of the Father. Love is so amazing, it's so divine, that it demands that all of us understand that only God's love is unconditional. Amen. I don't care how much you love me on your own, there is something I can do to cause you to quit loving me. On your own. The only way that we're able to love unconditionally is with the love of God. Amen. It's the only way. Jesus said a new commandment that I give to you, and that is that you love one another just as I have loved you. And by this shall men know that you are my disciples, not that you're a great preacher, not that you're a great singer, but that you have love one for another. Amen. The apostle John told us in 1 John 3, 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees their brother or their sister in need and does not have pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. <laughs> love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. For if you only love the ones you love, that love you, you, what credit is it to you? Now that's easy to read. That's hard to do. Love your enemy. Are you crazy? Do good to those who hate you. Amen. Bless those who curse you. Amen. Is it possible? It is possible with God. Amen. Even sinners love those who love them. Right? But we have to show the love of God. Loving the way Jesus loved is the only way the church is going to make a difference in the world. Amen. Love forgets a person's past, their present sins, their fallen condition, and understand that it's all under the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, you say, well, come on, pastor. You don't know what that person has done. You don't know what they're involved in. 
Well, I probably know a lot more than you think I do. Pastoring would be a whole lot easier if you could tell everything you knew. And I'll leave it at that. But it really don't matter what I know. It really don't matter what people have done or what they're doing. What I do know is this, that no matter what we've done or what we're doing, Jesus loves us unconditionally. Unconditional love says, I don't care how bad your sin, I still love you. Unconditional love says, no matter what you've done, I still want to pray with you. Unconditional love says, no matter how horrible or how gross your sin is, I still care about you. I still want to help you. I still want to walk with you as God would walk with you. Do you know why I'm talking to you about this this morning? It's because I believe that we are growing. I believe that the church is the only answer for the world. And we, we've got to introduce people to Jesus, not introduce people to guilt and condemnation because people do not come to Christ because you have guilt, caused them to feel guilty or condemn them. The Bible says that godly repentance, lead, or the good, goodness of God leads a man to repentance. Amen. It's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. And so when we, if we're going to introduce people to Jesus, we've got to introduce them to his love and to his grace. And if we're not careful, we'll want to judge people instead of pray for them. We will say, not me. I've never done all of that. My sin, it isn't as bad as their sin. I'm better than them. I'm holier than that. Yeah. And we'll put ourselves on a pedestal thinking that we are better than what everyone else is. Ephesians 3 and 19 said, And to know this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. In the moment that you think you understand the unconditional love of Jesus Christ, you will only condemn yourself as he has loved you. And whenever you understand that he loves you no matter what, then you can love others. Because Paul told the church at Ephesus, he said that his love passes all understanding or knowledge. You can't comprehend it. You can't figure it out. He goes on in Romans 8 and 35 and said, Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall pearl, famine, nakedness, or strife or sword as it is written for your sake that we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter nay in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and he goes on in verse 38 and said for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor a pre things present or the future, or any powers, or, nor height, nor depth, nor creature, nor shall be able to separate me or us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what shall separate me from the love of God? Nothing. 
But what about my sin? But what about my failures? But what about my mistakes? But what about the trouble I'm in right now? But what about the mess I've made of my life? He said, I'm persuaded that nothing is able to separate you from the love of God. Amen. Hear me. Nothing shall separate you from his love. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you and it doesn't depend upon your circumstances aligning with his will. It de doesn't depend on our being acceptable to him. He loved us while we were in our sins. And nothing shall separate us from his love. Where can I go to get away from it? If I ascend to the heavens, he's there. If I make my bed in hell, he is still there. His love is everywhere. Why? Because he loved you and he loved me and he loved this world so much, humanity, that he would send his son that we can know the unconditional love of the Father. Now that blows your mind, doesn't it? Because he loves the murderer. He doesn't love murder. He loves the murderer. Things that we think of as horrid acts. And yet he still loves the person. I don't know why he loved me first. I just know that he did. I know I didn't deserve it. I know that I didn't earn it. I didn't do anything to cause it to happen. He simply loved me long before I ever even was a thought in this world. He knew that I would be here and he loved me. His unconditional love. He loves us all. Jesus loved Peter. Huh? Who would deny him? Peter, the one that had been with him, the one who was in his inner circle. And now they come looking for him and saying, the little girl says, he, he's been with Jesus. And he says, no, not me. Not me. And then he comes back and says, yeah, yeah, well, we've seen him. And, and so to... to uh, express and to try to separate himself from Jesus he goes to cussing it's in the Bible read it he cursed that means cussing <laughs> amen he wanted to separate himself from Jesus so he goes to cussing and says I don't, I don't have nothing to do with him when it came to a tight spot he rejected the one that he said that he loved. But guess what? That didn't stop Jesus from loving Peter. He still loved him. Jesus loved Barabbas. You remember on the cross that day? Pilate comes out there and says, who do you want? Do you want us to crucify this man, Jesus? Or do you want to crucify this Barabbas, this murderer, this, this terrible, we know the heinous crimes that he has done. 
And, and do you want us, who do you want us to crucify? We don't have room for them all, but we'll, we'll crucify. Who do you want crucified? And they would cry and say, give it, crucify Jesus. And here this Barabbas, here this one that deserved to die according to the law and the judgment that had been imposed upon him, found guilty. And now he should have been hanging upon the cross. And, but you know what? Even at that, and he was, gets to go scot-free. Jesus didn't have bitterness in his heart. He didn't have um, a trouble with Barabbas. He loved Barabbas. Amen. Can I tell you, every one of us deserve to hang on that cross. Every one of us are Barabbas in our own way. We've sinned. We've come short of the glory of God. We've not done nothing good to measure up, to deserve the things that God... But guess what? That isn't what it's all about. It's about that Jesus loved you no matter what. And He came and took your place on the cross so that you and so that I can have life and have it more abundantly. Can you give God some praise for that this morning? Jesus loved those who nailed him to the cross. How do I know that? Because when they hung him on that cross and stretched him wide and hung him high, he cried, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they've done. They don't know. They don't understand. They think they're doing the right thing. They don't know what's going on. Forgive them. Forgive them. And I want to tell you today that that kind of love only comes through Jesus Christ. And that is the true love of the gospel. Amen. Jesus said, if any, even an angel come to you preaching any other gospel than this, let him be a curse. <laughs> I tell you today, the love of God is something that you'll never be able to come to the end of. Because he doesn't have love, he is love. Amen? He is love. And when we know his love, we know it in measures, but we'll never know the fullness of the measure. You can know him, his love in salvation. You can know his love in righteousness. You can know his love in forgiveness. You can know his love in healing, deliverance, and hope. But you'll never come to the fullness of it. You'll never come to the end of it because he's always loving us no matter what. No matter what. His love is not the thing that's questioned today. He loves us without question. The question is, do you love him? Do you love him? If you